will come out, will come to play. Just for recreation's sake, to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. Hello and welcome to the Stern Look. I'm Kangaroos Forever. For today's show, we have the king of the SFA board, Quiv. Welcome. <laughs> Evening, guys. Evening, mate. Also tonight, we have Nate joining us from IUB's Underwater Lair. Welcome, Nate. G'day, and thanks for having me again. Great to have you on. Uh, tonight's show is the same structure as usual, so we'll get right into it. Issues of the week. Now, the first issue that we're just going to discuss is the NRL is proposing the creation of a concussion sub, or the 18th man. So in an AFL context, this will be one of the match day emergencies replacing one of the, or the injured player that's severely injured and ruled out for the rest of the match. In an AFL context, Nate, should the AFL introduce not just a concussion sub, but an injury sub once the player has been deemed to be unfit to take the field for the rest of the match? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I think what the NRL is doing is purely just, it's it's a concussion sub, it's an 18th player. So for those who don't know, in the NRL they have 13 on the field and then 4 on the bench, whereas Rugby Union is uh, 15 and about 11 on the bench. So theirs is pure concussion, whereas what uh, Kangaroos River and I are thinking is an extension of the concussion sub and making it... Um, uh, concussion plus uh, major injury. So not just those who have a, a slight rolled ankle, but something that rules them out of the game, whether it be an incapacitation or whether uh, the medical staff rule them to be unfit to continue on. Um, and even the possibility of ruling them out for the week going, sorry, the week further ahead or even one or two weeks down the track. And so you, you then have a replacement player. Uh, in the past, you've seen players, and, or sorry, you've seen teams where they've been one down or even two or three down very early on in the match, and they've been really struggling. Um, and we both agree that it would be beneficial um, if you did have that. It's a little bit different to the 23rd player that the VFL had, which is more for a rookie. This is purely for a concussion slash um, major injury, but it would need to be cleared by the relevant medical personnel from each team. Um, for someone to enter the game and someone to be exited from the game as well. Um, and this is not to be confused with the old and the hated, the red vest, green vest crap that we had of previous years. This is a completely and utterly different thing. Um, and it's so that teams are not disadvantaged, but like any rule, there is going to be the possibility of teams taking advantage of certain things and finding a way around it. Um, but... Uh, the short answer is, yes, I agree, and I think that the AFL should look at it, Kanga. Thank you, mate. And, Quiv, any thoughts on the matter? No, I agree with um, pretty much everything there. Um, it's, it's almost a step closer to pretty much just having four subs, though, and no interchange, um, which I'm beginning to lighten, liken the idea. But, yeah, I think Nate touched on it briefly. Um, it's something that needs to be seriously looked at, and I think you got to watch out for coaches trying to abuse it, you know, just deciding 
in the middle of the game they need an extra tall, so they fake an injury to bring an extra tall on for somebody. Um, and that's why I, I agree that maybe the player that does come off injured shouldn't be allowed to play the next week, um, even if he's fine, just to try and stop coaches abusing it. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, moving on to thumbs up, thumbs down. My first thumbs up will be the return of Taylor Garner this week, which I'm sure Rob Zombie's very happy about. This is the return of his Ferrari. And my, Swing. S- Swing. <laughs> my second thumbs up will be the addition of Anderson and Wagner to the midfielders in the VFL. Their form has been very good in their recent practice match, and it's a good sign that they can just add something different to a fairly limited on-ball brigade. My first thumbs down is just simply the second half against West Coast. We just butchered the football too much. And my second thumbs down will be the former Scott Thompson, really, for the last two years. But this match, last match, was pretty horrible. I really don't see him playing it for North next year. Quiff, what are your positives and negatives? As usual, I don't really have anything exciting. Um, one thumbs down is I tried Eddie Ad's special salt last week, and it was shit. Just tasted like shitty tasting table salt, so guys, avoid it. Um, and a big thumbs up for me is for the first time in my life, I'm going to compliment Trent Cotchin and say, well done. He won me 670 bucks for kicking the first goal today. That's a big thumbs up for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <Anyway>. Nate? <laughs> um, so a couple of positives for me, um, just the inclusions of all the new players, it might not have been what everyone wanted. I know a lot of players, sorry, a lot of posters were wanting 25 positions and two goals each and about five or ten marks, but it's not going to happen. Um, it was good to see them getting amongst it. Yeah, they, they haven't got the stats. Um, you'll probably see one or two of them go out this week. I mean, at the moment, we're only talking about an extended bench, and we'll get to that later. Um, I was really happy to see Braden Bruce um, after the VFL season that he had last year. Um, withdrawing, taking away a few of his really ordinary VFL games last year. He had a pretty good season last year, um, and I was really happy to see him in uh, last week. Whether or not he'll be in this week, especially with Magic Door on the extended bench at the moment in that uh, squad of 25, who knows? We'll talk about that later again. Um, a negative, just what some of the guys were talking about earlier, Scott Thompson, um, what the hell is going on? About a week or two ago, I was down at the VFL at Sandringham and I did say to Kangaroos forever, I would be surprised if he played this year, if at all. And um, that game that he played, it reinforced what I thought and what I said and what I saw. Um, Lockie Hanson, yeah, I'd put in the same boat, only he just didn't play VFL, but yeah, the same boat of what the fuck. But, um, yeah, that's about all for me. Oh, and apart from that, that loss was enough said. Anyway, that's all. Fair enough. Moving straight on to club discussion, which, once again, is just very limited. It's been very quiet on the home front. So we'll just focus on some trade news that's just emerged in the last two or three days. Now, it's been put forward in the media and later confirmed by Leon Cameron that we have tabled a massive offer from, for Kelly from GWS. He's an absolute gun. Cam- G- Cameron confirmed that, did he? He basically said, yes, an offer's been put forward. Okay. That's which was very interesting. I know me and Taz discussed that quite extensively. That I'm very surprised he actually said, yeah, it was 
true. And What's the perspective offer, how much and how long, if you know? Uh, we don't know at this stage. We just know it's a very big one. Number of years, thinking about Boyd-esque figures. Shit. Is, is he worth it, you reckon? I think a fair trade will be Swallow, Swallow for Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the actual trade, Nate, just expanding on that? Well, I mean, I, I was reading about this just the other day and, and Kanger and I have been talking about this offline just, just recently. And I think uh, that'd be great. And we were talking also off here about this is, a, a, you know, all this trade news is coming out very early in the season. In some cases, it's this stuff is coming out pre-season. Uh, that'd be great if it came through. But um, I think with North Melbourne's history of going after the big fish and not quite landing them, I'm... I'm in the negative in terms of, oh, well, negative thinking in that it may not happen. It'd be great. Throw Liam Anthony in a third rounder at him, plus follow steak knives, <laughs> whatever you want. Please get it done. Um, I, I don't know. Um, What's his cost in terms of picks? Mate. You, Fit. you can give him a blank check and he can name his own price. Oh, you just so stole Brayshaw's line. Did he? Oh, okay. Brayshaw said the then. exact same thing. Did he? Tonight. No, I don't. I, I, I have a problem with Brayshaw. Um, so I can't say that. Um, oh, easily one yeah. mil plus. I don't know He's what you're very, doing. very good. So. Wasn't there rumours of, um, bloody Dustin Martin being offered 1.5 per year from North? Or is that just furphy? Oh, maybe around that, Mark. Maybe a bit cheaper than that. That's just absurd. But yes, I think it's just over one million. Because he's well, been—he wants to get offered more than the eight hundred he's on now at Richmond or something. It's around that mark. Shit. And we're offering about that one point one to one point three ish. I'm thinking minimum one mil for Kelly, but I mean, what do you guys think? I would offer that. Is it going? I, I would definitely offer that. I watch GWS well, that's my, very that's my closely. Minimum. That's my that's my that's my low end. But if I'm to do the old, uh, what's his name, the former North Melbourne player who's now player manager that everyone hates, I, I please please God don't be his manager. Um, oh, Pickering. God, yeah, fucking Pickering. Is is he the is he the manager of um, Kelly by any chance? Uh, I'm not sure about that. It hasn't been mentioned, so it might not be. Normally, he can't help himself but put his face on the TV screen. Uh, big note himself. Well, look, um, I, I, look, I think one mil, and um, if it came down to picks, oh, depending on our first pick, fuck it, first pick and probably your second pick, and I, if it came down to that, and I don't know what else after that because I have no idea well, at the moment. Yeah, your thinking's not too far off what GWS posters have been saying. I suggested... First round pick and a swap of second round picks. But that's oh, probably... Hang on, because they're going to finish quite high this year. Put it this yeah, way. They'll, be, about, will be, they'll, be, about, they'll be top four regardless. It be, could easily be 10 spots difference. So That's a massive difference though, when you come to the second round. Side, yeah. That's a huge difference. They'll definitely be finishing at least four to five, six, seven, eight, nine spots higher than us. So it'll be advantageous for them to do that. So a swap of second round picks is very advantageous Ooh. for them. It could work. And they're good to trade with, but that might not be enough. Because he's a very, very good player. 
So what do you think? You think a first and a swap? Depend, depends how badly we finish this year. Surely he wants to come to us, though. So that we, probably helps a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're the obvious North Link, so that's the good side of it. So it's interesting to see whether it happens. If he hasn't signed within the next few months, because apparently GWS believe that they're pretty close to re-signing him, but if they don't, next few months, it could be a distinct possibility... Maybe he'll do us a solid and just threaten to walk unless we get there and then we can get him on the cheap. Ah, oh, that, then negotiations turn nasty though, that's the problem. <laughs> and it might cost us more in the end. Anyway, we'll no. move, <laughs> we'll move straight on to VFL. There's not a heap in the VFL, so I'll just leave it to Nate to fill in the gaps and then we'll move on from there. In terms of VFL, I could just be silent for five minutes because nothing happened this week. Um, uh, the boys had uh, probably what is it, a four point win over Coburg down the, uh, at where they play at Rams Arena, and they will have this week off. So for those that are thinking it's um, that with the VFL they're playing every week in a practice match, they're not because Sandringham, as an example, have had three to four practice matches before anyone else has had even two games, and so they are about to have a two week break. Um, and Werribee are having a week off this week. They're playing on the 8th, so on Saturday week, down at Casey Fields against Casey. I'm led to believe it's at 2pm, also the same day, and almost the same time as North Melbourne play against GWS in Hobart at Bluntstone or Hobart or whatever so the hell when, they're calling it these When does the VFL season start? Uh, not till Easter weekend. So I think that's, what, the 15th. Uh, which is a bit strange because I was having this conversation with one of the guys down at um, St Kilda in Sandringham and he reckons it's that weekend. And I said, well, that's just bizarre, the start of that week. But um, unless there is a split week, but um, I know that Sandy are playing at Sandy on Easter weekend that week. Whether or not where we are, I'm not sure at the moment. Do Bearing they play a Good Friday game also? No. No, they don't. But also remember that Werribee are not going to be at home at all this year because of the redevelopment of uh, the Avalon Airport Oval down at Werribee this year, or Churnside Park, whatever you want to call it. They're going to be playing home games all over the place. I'm pretty sure they've got a home game down at Frankston at one point, even though Frankston are not in the VFL anymore. So it right. is all over the joint. Yeah, I know. It is just ridiculous. They've got one up at Craigieburn. I think they're at Broad Meadows. Um, yeah, it's just all over the shop. But... Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a delayed sort of thing, and they've got a few buyers during the year. And, um, yeah, there's some other issues with the VFL fixturing going forward, but, yeah, just wait and see with with that. But, yeah, in the meantime, there's, just, there's a few more weeks of practice matches for the VFL guys, but it's not a case of split weeks. So, you know, in the AFL where it might be, you might have two or three weeks of split round, whereas at the moment you might see um, is it Northern Bullants or one of the, whatever the Carlton... The VFL team is called. I think they've got two games in two weeks, and you look at some of the other games, so the, some of the other teams, and they've got one game over three weeks. So it's not really a split round, so to speak, in the VFL. It's more a case of all the VFL teams were negotiating when, where, who, and how they were going to be playing their practice matches. Um, and then when, and I actually heard this from some of the Sandy guys, they when they heard that Box Hill pulled out all the Hawthorne players. Sandy turned around and said, no, we're not playing any of our St Kilda players against Werribee. And then 
the final result was that was smashed by 80-odd points um, a week or two ago. Um, so, yeah, in the VFL, they, they, just, they run their own little program, and in the AFL, they don't. So, I mean, that's it's just a, a few slight differences, but, yeah, that's all that's really going on. But, yeah, so um, in, what did I say, the eighth, yeah, so down at Casey Fields, so against Casey, so Melbourne's VFL team, 2 p.m. Saturday the 8th of April, so the week before Easter weekend, the same day as North Melbourne plays GWS in Hobart, although I think it's a 15-minute time difference. Yeah, go on. I've just had a look at the fixture. We actually, oh, not we, wherever you play a few, a ga- at least a game at Arden Street. Yeah, and, they uh, play. There. Yeah, they play Essendon early-ish, and I think they've got another game, as far as I know. But there is, yeah, there's some fixturing issues with AFL Victoria or the VFL or whatever the fuck they're called these days. But um. Yeah, there was rumour even around New Year's period about uh, the VFL side playing two or three games at, at Arden Street, but I haven't seen the updated fixture because it's been changing more than my underpants, so it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. How often do you change your underpants? Jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've lost count. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, is that it for VFL? That is it. That's my five minutes. No worries. We'll move straight on to questions now. So, Nate, firstly, yeah. what can be done about our skills? In that, what percentage of a side's skills are based on recruiting and what are based on development? How much improvement is reasonable to expect? Uh, and who asked this question? Not that this matters, but I'm just curious. Uh, I'm not sure I've forgotten already. Oh, well, I'm I've just copied and pasted them. That's okay. Um, if this is in relation to... The new players coming through, I think this goes back to one of my earlier answers. It's a bit hard to expect players who are new to the side, especially whether they're 17, 18, or sorry, 18, um, and they're just coming through the system for the first time to be at the elite AFL level um, from the first touch. Um, I think to expect that is a bit over the top. If that's what the question is in regards to in the recent game, especially with um, most of the new players and not quite having the output that uh, our posters thought that they would, um, regardless of whether or not those players were a high draft pick or not, whether they were a rookie or they were whatever, I'd, or even um, from another team, I just I don't I don't think you can expect them, especially so early in the season. Um, and, yeah, some of the posters will look at some of the JLT preseason games and say, well, Simpkin did X, Y, and Z. He might have had two touches in a game at Arden Street, which I saw. Um, Quiv, who did he play? They played against Hawthorne, and he might have had about five touches or whatever. He, he did a little bit that day. And then I think posters were getting a little bit over the top and thinking that, you know, come round one, this is, this is going to be on for young and old, and this is going to be great. There is a massive step up between JLT pre-season games and then your proper season, as unfortunate as it is. Um, But uh, that's part of the answer. What was the rest of the question? It was about... um, In terms of skills, how much is it based off recruiting and how much is based off development? I think not 
not knowing, you know, what the recruiters have in mind and not being part of that, and I'm not being part of that inner sanctum, or as Twinkletoes like to say, like to say, sorry, likes to say the inner scrotum. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you could put a, an arbitrary figure on that and say, oh, well, it's 85% this and 15 this or whatever you want. But I think ideally you, you look at a player, you're coming through and you have years of, whether it be your TAC Cup or VFL, if they're a mature age or waffle or whatever, and you go, okay, well, um, Sam Gibson, for example, at the Box Hill Hawks was mature age coming through and he was able to do this, 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 this and this, and we expect that he should be able at least be able to do X, Y, and Z, whatever your, your minimum, your target is. And I think that um, the recruiters have that and some of the coaches, and they go, okay, well, they've, they've got that. There will be an element of... Um, call it upskilling or whatever you want to call it with the coaches at North Melbourne. Um, development, I suppose, if you really want to call it that, but I'm reluctant to call it that because how do you really, especially with some of the North Melbourne coaches, I'm sort of reluctant to use that word. But, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the raw skill is there with some of the players and it's more about more harnessing that and nurturing the ability rather than developing it. But, Reinventing um, the wheel and adding, it's really yeah, just um, yeah, harnessing it as you said. You're probably you're hitting the nail on the head there. I think you're more harnessing it and enabling it because they have the those characteristics there, rather than developing. Which to me, developing is more about creating something new, or in um, many cases with North Melbourne, reinventing the wheel, with, which is what you're saying with some of the players, and they'll be drafted for a particular aspect whether it be a key defensive um, position, and then all of a sudden they'll find themselves on a high forward flank or a high half forward sort of thing and um, slash wing. And it's like, well, that's not what their skill set is. They're completely and utterly different. So um, it comes down to their raw and innate ability, I'd, I'd suggest, and nurturing whatever that is and letting that flourish rather than, as you said, Kanka, reinventing the wheel and expecting a totally different um, skill set. Fair enough. Next question, mate. The seven-man defensive group, yay or nay? No. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I have someone else on the panel that might back me up on this. Um, <laughs> I think you get support for from both of us. I'm waiting for him to say a word, but he's probably doing some other stuff at the moment. Look, um, has it worked in the past? At times. Has it worked for the most part? No way. Uh, and that's why I think um, it is time to change it. It's time to do away with that because players need to be accountable. So, yeah, so whether it is loose man in defence... Is, is it a reflection of defensive accountability that's just not there? They don't have faith in locking down? I'd say that's... No. That's, you yeah. don't think so? It's our midfield. What, what do you think it is? Well, look, you could, you could put it down to the defensive forwards. You could put it down to rebound defenders. You could put it down to midfield cohesion. You could you could put it down to um, lack of leg speed. You, you could put that it down that. You could put it down to you could put it down to split decision making. You could put it down to coaching. You could put it down to all sorts of things. You can't just put it down to one particular thing. Mm. And I think that's the problem with the North North Big Footy Board, and yes, I'm part of that, is that too often we're getting carried away with, oh, it's Sack Scots, or it's, um, in the past, it was F.U. Cunnington, or it was 
sex, sack bloody Gibsons, plural, and you know, this sort of stuff. And I agree with sex every single Gibson. one of them. <laughs> yeah, I agree with every single one of them. And I agree with, um, uh, you know, Thompson, Hanson, jettison them for eternity and all that sort of stuff. But when you've got groups who are not performing as groups and you've got indi- individuals within those who are just not performing as required, then you've got coaches who sit on their fucking ass and do stuff all. And yes, you can't blame the coaches for all of the players' deficiencies, but at some point it has to come back and it comes back to the, the coaches to an extent because if they keep on doing the same things, I mean, what was the definition of um, insanity? It was, you know, doing the same thing and expecting... Yeah, a bit on uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah a, a different result. I mean... Fuck, for how many years have we been going through this? And there's, that's not just insanity, that's just bloody stupidity. Uh, yeah, and going back to your original question, I, I don't think it's, it's one particular thing whatsoever. I Maybe there's also a question to be asked of having the correct uh, skills coaches or line coaches is what I've been thinking for a couple of years um, and not quite hitting the mark at all, really. But, um, and, and the other weird thing, and just to sort of throw a spanner in the works, and I'm surprised that no one else has said this, uh, unless I've missed it, and I've got no one on block, FYI, so I should have seen this if it has been said, is for all the things that are said about, you know, a, a Gibson or last year, a, a Cunnington or all, you know, coaches or players or whatever, there are faults across the entire team. Defensive, midfield and forwards and the utilities and the wings and all sorts of players. Now, I think it's more than just a personnel issue when you've got, not extreme, sorry, severe deficiencies across all lines. Surely that has to ring alarm bells. And I'm not talking about a sort of end of the world predicament here. I'm talking about it's just, it's got to be, surely there's a realisation here that there's, there's a deficiency within certain players and they've all got the same deficiencies going forward. And how no one has seen this and said this or picked this up, I just don't know. But unless that's me and I'm living on another planet, then call me out. <laughs> that's what I reckon. Anything to add, Cliff? No, no, I think you said it all. Fair enough. Good. <laughs> right, our next question for you then, Cliff. Some say not to be stressed about a round one loss, but it is now three wins or three wins out of fifteen game last fifteen games. If this streak of poor form were to occur during it one season, would it be crisis time? Gasso's question is: Are we in crisis, denial, or something else? That's a good question. Um, I uh, we're not in crisis. Uh, we're, we're rebuilding. Um, uh, every club has to do it. It's not a crisis. Um, we're in for a tough year, though. There's no doubt about that. I said earlier in the pre-show that I'm almost expecting us to be 0-9 and nine, and coming into the Carlton game in round 10 with a big question mark of whether we can do that or not. Um, no, not, not a crisis. we just got to play the kids, get some games into them so when we're thereabouts again they've got the ability they've got the experience they know what to do um it was said a lot on the board we've got all these kids playing but we've got no leaders anymore um there's nobody leading the way and it's just 
going to be a very tough year without the leaders to to step up and and help us. Yeah. Uh, next question for you, Cliff, as well about rookies. Do we, how many rookies is enough? Should we be promoting, say, a Zerha onto the list? Um, rookies are a tough one because um, obviously you got to pay them more, which we no club really wants to do. Um, but I'm a big fan of playing everybody. We need to have a look at everybody, see who's got what it's what it takes, and get rid of the deadwood. Um, Brad Scott started being tough last year. Obviously, when we delisted those four, it's got to continue. It can't just be a one-off thing. Um, we can't continue to play the same players that disappoint every week. And that means we've got to bring up the rookies to see if any of them have the goods. Um, we got to do it. I mean, you got to. Some rookies turn out to be very, very good. Look at Dean Cox as a prime example. Off the rookie list, turned into a, a big, one of the, a really, really good ruckman. Um, we might have one sitting there toiling away. Yep, fair enough. Right, Nate, do you think the first game we should have a run of games to adapt to the pace of it and get a read of it? Or do they need to improve in the VFL? Sorry, are you talking about the players before they come into the team? Uh, just, no, team? more so the first game is the current first game is from last round. Should they have a number of games together to adapt, or should they go back to the VFL? Um, I'll answer it in a couple of ways. Um, I think that they have, um, so you Mountford, Hibbard, Simpkin, and a few of those guys, Just I'll single those guys out as an example. They've had a few games together, um, VFL practice matches have had um, the JLT games. So I think that's okay. Um, that's fine, and they need to get some game time. And on a slightly different question and answer, and going, sort of using what Quiv used before, um, but I'll actually extend on that is North Melbourne changed at least, what, 10, 11 or 12 players from their list last year. So they're obviously not afraid to change, so they have to adapt at some point and be not afraid to use those players. Coming back to the, the recent question, those players. So they've got to, they've got to, they'll, they will have to be used at some point. Um, I think they would be getting more games and they will get more games than they originally thought they would before they came to North Melbourne. Um, this idea of now, sorry, this, the idea in the past of giving a player or a first year or a rookie player or whatever, one game, go back to the VFL or wherever you came from and um, have a couple of months there and then come back. I don't think North Milton can do, especially with those particular players that I mentioned and considering the list turnover that we had. Uh, it would be beneficial to get some senior AFL game time into those players. Yes, it might hurt them. Yes, they might be extremely sore, but I think further down the season and in a long run, which is what this is all about, it we, it's more beneficial. So we're not looking at short-term objectives. You're looking at the whole picture. You look at, I mean, forget the argument of, you know, whether it be a 2018, 19 or 20 premiership, that sort of thing. You might even look at the end of this year, 2017, whatever your personal agenda or argument is. Get a, getting away from games in groups of, say, two, three or four um, You'd have to. You need to look at the bigger picture, and I think it would be beneficial to go in um, groups. I don't think it'd be great to send them all back, or even send two of them back, 
because um, really, I mean, with the VFL coming up, there's not much. And even with the first couple of games, they're pretty ordinary opposition. And considering the Werribee side is very ordinary this year. So, look, the more time they can spend in the senior AFL side, that'll be the, the better for them, is what I think. Fair enough. And finally, Quiv, what did you make of Zeeble's game? Should we expect more from him? Um, it wasn't a horrible game by any means. By far, it wasn't his best. Uh, my big issue with the the game, and I'm sure it wasn't his decision, was he wasn't down forward as much as I would like him to be, and I I think he should be. Um, whether that's because we had 400 tools down there already. Um, or we needed the grunt in the midfield, especially without Cunnington. Um, I don't know. But uh, I feel he's going to be more, most damaging when he's hitting the scoreboard. And I think that's where he needs to play a bit more down there. Yep, fair enough. Moving straight on to the review against West Coast. So basically, it was a game of two halves. Norfolk right into the game at half time. However, just a costly second half, just riddled with very poor disposal and bad goal kicking just really let us down, particularly in the third quarter. We just got absolutely smashed in every department. The few positives that we can take out, they're very few indeed. Brown looked good coming back from injury and Waite looked in good marking form, not so much goal kicking. But really, there's not much I can take out of that game. I don't think anyone can take much out of that. Quiv, did you take anything out of it? No, not really at all. Um, it was a nothing game in the end, really. Um, actually, one of the first games I've ever left early. Um, yeah, not really much to take out of it at all. We had, a, we had a good first half, and then West Coast just piled it on, and we can't stop Kennedy. I, I think he always just belts us. Um, I don't know why. He's just one we can't stop. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, Tarrant seemed to be very underdone in terms of just form and fitness. I don't think he was quite there, which is a, probably a fair assessment to make. But he would be better for the run anyway. Nate, just any follow-up thoughts on the first half? I know you only watched that. Yeah, no, I only watched the first half due to Grand Prix commitments and some other things. Um, I was, I went in with a positive mind. I thought this would be, you know... Um, I think you guys all heard me was it two weeks ago saying how excited I was for the year, and I still am. And um, even until half time, until I had to leave the place, what I was at, I can kiss, kicking and screaming like a little bitch <laughs> that I am at times. Um, yeah, times. it's um, what was that? At times, yeah. <laughs> at times, <laughs> yeah, most of the time. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, I I thought it was. Um, Relatively close. I, I, I enjoyed it at times. I was willing to put up with skill errors, decision making, poor decision making choices. That's fine. That's going to happen from any player and, and see some of the young players learn from that and hopefully, and I think that they really did. Um, that's what I can take away from that. Um, my only other thing was, I, you know, I was talking to this guy who had very limited English and we we're at the pub and um, guy from the subcontinent, he was a fanatical North Melbourne supporter, and I actually I turned around to him and I said, "Look, is is Lockie Hansen playing?" I I wasn't quite sure because I said, "Look, you know, is, is any chance he's been a um a late omission, late change?" And he said, "No." And 
he showed me the stats and at half time Lockie Hansen had like one or two kicks and I was like I had not seen him all game until I saw the highlights that night and I had to go onto YouTube and find all sorts of stuff and from the AFL website. Um, that's really demoralising to see that and even to look at highlights or lowlights of Robbie Tarrant's game, someone who I really admired in the past, um, someone who I, I just don't know what's gone wrong with him. If he's, if you guys know if he's injured or if he's, oh, he's just had limited match fitness and practice. That's been a lot of the issues, but you just okay. got pants, so really. Yeah, because I, I did see bits and pieces of him, and he, he seemed to be completely outgunned. And what I saw, it, it just it wasn't the same Robbie Tarrant that I'm used to. But then again, maybe I'm just. I was, you know, you, you get so used to a player being so good and you think you just expect it and then all of a sudden they have this really a, a downtrodden sort of period and that's, and they, yeah, so you're right, so underdone, maybe carrying a bit and um, wait and see for a few games in and see how he goes and judge then, but I just think at the time it was, um, geez, it was, um, it was bad. It was a really bad game when you look at the result. Fair enough. I think we can move on to the, on to the yeah. preview. <laughs> Fair enough. So the ins and outs for Geelong, Buse, Lang, Minagawa and Zach Smith with Cockatoo out. And for North, what's so funny? Oh, sorry, Cockatoo. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, ins for North, good to see Cunnington back. Majak Dor, Taylor Garner, yes, good boy. And Aaron Mullet with weight obviously out with that shoulder injury for probably two, three months. We'll see how that goes. How are we going to see the ins and outs, fellas? Who's going to be out? Nate? Yeah, well, we were discussing the pre-show, but... Um, Pruce outdoor in, um, and I thought maybe you could play the two of them, but uh, <laughs> apparently not. Yeah, I know, look, you know, the other thing would be, I think Mullet in for some speed, if he really has that ex- that real jet of speed off the line, that'd be really good so he'd probably get rid of um do you guys reckon uh well i reckon bruce hibbard mountford and yeah he i said hibbard didn't i bruce yeah hibbard mountford yep yeah so i'm not sure actually so that, who's going to be so that leaves yeah. cunnington mullet garner and door or if you look at the interchange bench as it is, that's what you're suggesting. Yeah. Um, but um, and weight obviously out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So weight weight's, is the out, and he's not in the extended bench. Um, I was even hoping for one of the defenders to be out, but unfortunately, he's been named at centre half forward. Um, I would hope that starting eighteen changes, even if it's one or two, that'd be great. Uh, I'm look. I'm not one for big changes, but um, that, that's something that I'd really like. Uh, it's good to see Jai Simkin also being named there. Uh, Marley Williams down back. Scotty Thompson, I'm a bit funny about why, after such an ordinary game, uh, and actually an ordinary few weeks, why he's there. Well, uh, there's all sorts of theories going around about why, but personally I don't buy it. I just think it might be a stability issue in terms of keeping a core and stability about it a defensive unit, especially when you've got so many changes through um, the back half. Uh, that's probably a positive spin on it. Um, 
in terms of other things, I'll just let Quiv have a few goes at it first before I really go to town on Geelong. But yeah, Quiv, have you got anything on that? I'm um, sorry. Uh, what was on, on what? Oh no, just on just on the on the makeup of the North Melbourne side, the ins, the outs, or the possible outs perspective and um, bench, and just sort of not so much matchups, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm I'm going to go to a matchup. I'm. I'm more worried about where the other 17 positions are going to be filled when we have everybody tagging Dangerfield. But yeah, it's it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be tough no matter what we do. Um, I think this game is really more about trying to limit the damage um, for me. Anyway, Uh, we don't want to get flogged by 100 points. I, I don't see how we can win it. But um, I just we guess we want to just put in the effort, which we didn't do in the last half or last quarter, I guess, last week. You just saying that? Oh, yeah, sorry, I was just about to cut in there. I didn't realise. Um, let's be honest. Oh, look, um, credit to Geelong, they are a good side. They're not a great side. Um, in recent history, North Melbourne have had their measures, so I, I'd... Look, I, I don't think they are a side to be scared of. And that's putting aside any bias that I, I do have as a North Melbourne supporter and as a member. Um, I, I genuinely think this can be, this could be a close game and I think North Melbourne can win and should win. Um, the proper North Melbourne if they roll up. Um, I, I, I don't know why so many pundits are suggesting that this is going to be a big, Big loss to North Melbourne. Why Geelong are going to win so easily? I just don't. I don't see it. I look through their lineup, and I, um, when you've got a faux tough guy called Andrew Mackey in the back line, who um, is skinnier than anyone I've ever seen, and has a mouth bigger than anyone I've ever heard, and cannot back it up. I, I, I just, I don't understand that. Um, for the Spud Award, what are we calling it? The carriage, the Perry, the the Perrier, the Whatever, what is it being called this, these days? Is, Sam is it still the carriage? Yep. Ah, uh, the Sam carriage. If I skip forward to that, um, where the hell has he gone? I'm looking. So, so I think you mentioned. Sorry, yeah, we were talking about this in the pre-show. Tom Ruggles, or as I call, I call him Tom Struggles, and I have for years before, buddy Triple M cottoned on to that. So he would be my nomination as would Darcy Lang, who is just really a VFL player. Um, Mine will be, be Blycoves. He's just hopeless. Oh, didn't you have Reese Stanley, or was that someone else? Oh, um, oh there's Reese Stanley as well. He's another... <laughs> <laughs> he got, got he got, well, we'll just yeah. run through the options. So we got, in terms of Sam Menegola. Zach Smith. Mm-hmm. Zach Smith. Tom Struggles. Cowan, Parfoot, Buse, Stanley, Blycarfs. Fuck, they got a few spuds. Murdoch, oh. Lang. Oh, yes, Murdoch. <laughs> uh, I swear to God, he will feature. Furlough. Yeah, and, well, oh, yeah, Furlough's another one. Yeah, I'm got surprised, some, actually, he's on the list. He's, he's got a lot of VFL standard players. <laughs> Half of their side is VFL standard. Um, I remember last year, Jay-Z, uh, uh, I don't know if he's still around these days, um, when he was on the podcast, 
I think in the two games he mentioned Blitzars or like as what do you want to call him Blush for hits. his yeah, Blitz, yeah that one um, the formal steeplechaser or whatever the fuck he was so he mentioned him a few times for the Kerridge Perrier Award uh, and also Reese Stanley but otherwise really you've got mate it's like shooting yeah, would you say it's shooting fish in a barrel do you think like it seriously you you're bound to pick a winner or in this case a loser. Uh, Over the carry. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there are some guys there who really will fly under the radar. And uh, I know you mentioned Josh Cowan. I wouldn't really, I don't know enough about him. The name like Brendan, is it Brandon Parfit? No idea who it is, but yeah, lock him in for a nomination. Shorter feature. Uh, otherwise, yes, Tom struggles. He's, he's going to be getting more mentions on radio and on TV than he'll actually on the field, but I'm sure he'll just have one or two goals and that'll be enough. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah cool. That's me. Yeah. We'll actually go back to the preview now, now that we're done with Nate's little tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no we'll do the matchups for the North Forward line. So how do you see them panning out, Quiv? Um, for the forward line. Crap, I haven't done the forward line. Um, let's give me a second. Assuming that Hansi goes to the fence and door plays. Yeah, well, look, I think that's a given. Hansen's not going to play forward. Uh, you'd expect Lonigan to take Brown. Brown was one of our shining lights last week. Um, he's probably the only one really big enough to go with Brown. Um, Andrew Mackey will probably take the soft option and try to chase door around. Uh, I think Zach Tui is probably our biggest problem. He likes to run off the half-back, and I don't think we've got anybody to chase him off there. Uh, Turner needs to do a defensive job. He was, bit, he was singled out a bit by posters last week for not I'd, chasing his opponent. I'd almost um, let Turner do his thing and tell Lindsay to focus on the defensive job personally. Um, Lindsay needs to do something to get into the game. He wasn't there last week. Um, was Very good call, that. Absolutely. Very good call. Um, you see Henderson actually going to the door instead? Because Henderson's a tall opponent. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know, because Henderson likes to stay within the 50. Door's going to run up run up the ground. He's going to be the target for our... Um, our eventual kick-ins. After but he's going to need, he's gonna need an opponent, though. That's the thing. Yes, true. Um, and he's too slow to pick up mid resting midfielders. Yeah, maybe he could go to the door, maybe. I'll say Mackie would probably go to the resting mid and try and intercept from there. But it could, it well, depends. that'd be good. It would be a good battle if that's the case, actually. Mackie versus, say, a Zeeble or a Cunnington. Um, Mackie's more of a medium defender than anything else. Yeah, it's a battle. I was thinking Cunnington. Cunnington. Yeah, that... yeah, I reckon if you were talking about a resting mid, um, I think in the past it's been uh, Andrew Mackie on a Cunnington, not so much Jack Zeeble, maybe at times, but certainly Ben Cunnington. Um what really sort of, not scares me, but Zach Tui and his, his sort of, call it speed, call it his agility, some of his skills there, his footwork, um, Irish, I'm not Zach, sure. Zach Tui is what we wanted Sean Atley to be all these years. Well, he's how do you... Running this is half back, s- he's the goal scorer. He he does what Fish did uh, three years ago. You know, you can count on him for one or two yeah. goals a game. 
and he's he's a hard nose, he's hard as a cat's head, as they say. He's, he's a, I'm, I'm absolutely shattered we missed out on him. I would have loved him to be lining up for us. But does this not sound strange that I'm doing a match-up in reverse at trying to match up on a defender? So trying to match up one of our players on Zach Tui in their yeah, back well, line. I think that's what we have to do. Um, he's a very attacking half-back flanker. Well, maybe it's worth putting a Garner type on him, Sam, too. He's going to go into the midfield a little bit, too, along the wing. Maybe tell Garner just to pressure the shit out of him and follow him around all game. Do you think he's got the engine, considering where he's coming from at the moment? Yeah, but two, fair enough, but two, he's not going to spend a whole lot of time in the midfield. He's not, no. He's just going to be running between the wings and mainly coming from half-back. So it's really just shutting down on him and making sure he just has no space. So it's about defensive running. He can do that. That's it. If we can keep him corralled along the boundary line, he's we we take away 90% of his game. But if you can get past us and you can get a run on, uh, then he becomes quite dangerous. Yeah. The other one that I've got is Harry Taylor. How do you guys see him sort of moving? Well, he's named at centre half forward, so they might switch him. Around the defence, if they're really, really struggling, but uh, they need that second tall forward. Otherwise, their tall forward line consists of Reese Stanley and Blycars. It's not intimidating then, but with Taylor and Hawkins, it's a bit more intimidating. I'm not too worried about Taylor Ford. He can mark it, but there's some questions on his goal kicking, isn't there? He's, it's mainly um, their small oh, Absolutely, but it's more just it's the unknown um, quantity there. It's more about coming out of defence and now being named as a the so-called forward player, and then it's that opposition teams haven't seen much of him and, and how do you negate this? But then again, what we've seen has been shit-ass goal-kicking. Um, but he's, he's got some pretty good ability. Uh, he's got some pretty natural ability. I'm, I'm sure playing on that many forwards over the years that he's, he's watched, he's, he's got the confidence. So I, if I was a Geelong coach, I'd back him in to do something, but not much. But again, yeah, I, I I just don't know who you'd how you'd match up on him as well. So that's for me, that's an unknown quantity right there. Yep. Uh, small forward matchups are going to be pretty key because they've named four of them. They've named Murdoch, Lang, Menzel, and Motlop up forward. Not the worst small forward line. No, I'd expect um, Atley to play a bit more defensive than midfield. Um, I'd say he'll go to Lang because Lang goes between midfield and forward. Yeah, and we're going to need pace to stick with them because they're not a slow small forward line either. No, and see Murdoch's a bit tall, unfortunately we're going to probably have to go with McMillan even though he's slower than him, but we're going to have to rely on him to do that job. Motlop Williams when he's forward, Menzel's not as quick, he's more crafty Stevie J type, so McDonald probably. McDonald, yeah. Well, McDonald's played on Green, Josh Green before, and he's a quick little bugger too, so he's done that job before. He's a spud though. He is a spud. He's, he's, done, he's done the job yeah. on quick pies before. He has, yeah. And Tarrant goes to Hawkins, and unfortunately, Thompson goes to Taylor, maybe Hanson to Taylor. Let's see how we go. I'm not worried about that. So, sorry, who'd you say Williams to? Motlop when he's forward. Motlop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I like that. pocket. Uh, I said last week I'm still not a fan of Williams, but he's got the grunt. He's he's got a he's got tenacity in him, so it'll be a nice nice matchup. Then again, Mullet if Mullet's named it's, and Hanson's named, that 
they can't be an eight man, so that might be a bit of rotation in terms of Mullet going to Lang and Utley staying in the midfield, but we'll see how we go. In that in terms of matchups. So just anything to add before we finish up, fellas? No, I'm, I'm who, who's your nomination still, for yeah. the spud? I want to know who you've got for the carriage. Me? Oh, jeez. Yeah, How many options have they got? Well, you said 10, didn't you? You said Lang, didn't you? Well, yeah. I said I'm going to go 50-50 at the moment between Lang and Strumples. Tom Ruggles. Yeah. All right. Black halves for me. I can see Smith popping up, grabbing a few key marks and a goal or two. Oh, God, he would too. <laughs> I came close to winning with Cripps last week too. I can't believe how close I got. You yeah, did him, all right. And, him and Josh Hill, they're the biggest spuds of players, but they dominate <laughs> against us every freaking time. He even out Mark McMillan, and I just shook my head and turned off the phone. <laughs> anyway. Just going back, actually, to, sorry, just while you were saying about finishing up, um, you were talking about, I think it was uh, Motlop, was it Motlop or Murdoch, and having um, J-Mac... Murdoch, not sorry, yeah, Murdoch, and not and and Jamie McMillan not have, quite having the speed. Well, I think Will Jamie McMillan's quite Cajun. He's, he's quite an experienced. Uh, I was going to say campaigner, quite an experienced player. So I, I think that um, you can certainly cut him out there. I don't think really speed's going to be too much of an issue there. Um, that's that'll really come down to experience and the players. Around yeah, we've him, negated so. those players before with the same exact defence. It's not. So much the issue. It's the same tactic, yeah. yeah. It's a midfield, that's the worry. It is, especially being quite new, but I suppose we'll see how it pans out on Sunday afternoon. Well, Cunnington needs a big game. He does. He does. He needs to make up for uh, missing last week, even though it wasn't really his fault. Yeah. Yeah, I I will say, after going through these matchups, I'll I'll reverse my decision a little bit. I'm not as worried about getting... um, Harshly beaten as I was. Um, teams and their matchups, we match up okay against Geelong. Yep. Right. I'd like to thank Quiv and Nate for jumping on once again. Thank you, fellas. Not a problem at all. And thanks for listening, ladies and gents. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, with an opposition guest. I'll try and get one on. Thanks, guys. <laughs>